Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design 101. How to design a beautiful home and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and life. Who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty, and my team and I do the best damn design in the country. But I'll help you create a beautiful design that is also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. This is Amanda Gates, and today's show is going to be a very special show with my guest, Dr. Sam Shea. Dr. Sam Shea is an acupuncturist, a chiropractor, and a functional neurologist. But the reason that I wanted to have Dr. Shea on the show is for this idea around addiction. He had an experience at six years old where his parents went through a divorce and unbeknownst to him, he had adrenal fatigue. This led to an addiction to sugar which then led him down a path of addiction to video games. Now listen, a lot of us have addictions and we may not be open to the idea of admitting it. There's all kinds of addictions, video games, sugar, food, shopping. We typically think of drugs, alcohol, gambling, maybe sex addiction as the vices. But more and more people are getting addicted to their phones, work, and all sorts of other things. So I wanted to get to the root of the problem. I wanted to have a better understanding of where this stems from, what causes it, and how we can start to reverse engineer it to get to the solution. And that's what Dr. Sam Shea and I are going to talk about today. Are you ready? Let's do this. All right. Hey, hey, everyone. This is Amanda Gates. Welcome to Home Energy Design. Hey, everyone. We're like live in all directions here. I'm on Facebook Live. Dr. Sam Shea is on live. We were just talking uh-huh. about all this crazy technology. Um, I apologize for you guys who's on the Facebook Live. It's like a one-way conversation, but Dr. Sam Shea is actually going to share his version with us later, so you'll get the, the two version here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's good to be here. I'm just trying to get rid of, there you go, get rid of all my little contact lists there. So yeah, thank you for having me on the, on the show. I, I really, I'm really happy to be here. Um, uh, you asked me to talk about sugar, sugar addiction, sugar cravings, and it's a really big topic that I know everyone has struggled with in some form, whether it's food or sugar. I'm a former sugar addict, and I'd love to answer any and all questions you've got for me on the subject. Uh, I'm also a former video game addict as well. And uh, so sugar and video games do connect because as you're mindlessly playing, you're reaching for whatever sugar-induced poison to keep you fueled to keep playing. So they are related, but yeah. Well, and who isn't addicted to sugar at this point, right? I mean, it's in everything. No. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, let's back up just a little bit. I wanted to know, um, how you went, you know, you, uh, explain on your website, kind of your, uh, hero story, so to speak of this idea of, um, being a six year old in this very high stressed environment, your parents are going through a divorce. Um, you probably had adrenal fatigue at that point and didn't know it. Um, but, uh, this led you to addiction of video games. So tell us how you went from that stressed out six-year-old, which it's hard to imagine a six-year-old being stressed out, but I mean, it absolutely happens to being Dr. Sam Shea, who's teaching all of these amazing modalities about addiction, like sugar, video gaming. I mean, I think there are a lot of addiction problems nowadays, and it's probably stemming from adrenal fatigue. So the, the, the story is, is kind of long and circuitous, but, but in, in, in general, um, uh, I was very sick when I was very young, much younger, and um, started at six years old. My parents a very stressful divorce, and what happened was that uh, I developed 
sugar addiction as a coping mechanism and I, um, I, I, and in video game addiction as a coping mechanism as well. And what happens is I, I developed adrenal fatigue. I was an insomniac. I had sugar addiction. I had video game addiction. I actually was addicted to coffee when I was six years old as well to stay awake. Um, I had a eating. I was. I think I also had some gut parasites and reflection on everything that was going on. I just had a whole mess of terrible things and severe insomnia, high stress, bullying at school, and so I was basically just in constant survival mode. And I, um, I, I just, I really struggled and Western medicine wasn't really helping me. And then I decided I kind of hit bottom in high school and I decided I had to go the natural medicine route. And I basically threw myself full on into natural medicine starting at university. Like I would study pre-med in the day and then do like, anatomy massage class acupressure and herbalism at night so it's kind of like batman you know organic chemistry you know playing with the test tubes and then at night you know doing natural medicine and then going to seminars on the weekend so my my university life was very different from everyone else's i was just right on that path to become a doctor uh in natural medicine and you know the whole the whole time i was struggling with trying to get my health on track and it's it's a very common trajectory of many different natural health care practitioners is that they have their own journey of struggling and then they uh, you know then they find the answer and then share it with everyone else and so I went through um I went through a very long journey through chiropractic school, studying neurology and nutrition and psychology and the work of Byron Katie and all sorts of mind-body medicine stuff, meditation, um, lots and lots of different diets and nutrition and exercises and, and detoxes. And, and, and it just all kind of coalesced when I started in practice in New Zealand and started treating patients who had chronic fatigue and adrenal fatigue and fibromyalgia and addictions and and just putting together a full um, a full picture of what does it actually take to deal with sugar addiction and the answer is that it wasn't a one magic bullet it was actually an entire system to address all the different uh, 10 actually major categories of health and wellness to synergistically work on addiction from a truly holistic standpoint. So it's like looking at people's brain and hormone system is the first pillar or then their gut health and then their physical structure and old injuries, particularly to the spine or like misalignments and stress on the spine um, or pain in the body or uh, are they over-exercising or under-exercising? Uh, toxins, nutrition, uh, breakfast and routines, stresses, infections, and sleep. Those are the 10 pillars that I assess patients with, whether they had sugar addiction or fibromyalgia. And uh, the, the distinction between working with someone who's just got a chronic issue, like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue or adrenal fatigue, and an addiction is that the addiction has a whole separate layer of complexity on top of just the physiology and the biochemistry because there's a tremendous psychological component that creates this cycle. So for me, my, my journey out of sugar addiction actually happened in two parts. One was me quitting sugar wasn't actually an act of getting out of the addiction. It was actually I cross-addicted further into video games. So it was a false cure of, of sugar addiction because I simply cross-addicted further over into another area. Then what happened is that I really did, uh, I figured out this five-phase model for dealing with addictions. And then from there, I dealt with the video game addiction. And that's when the true addiction left. It wasn't simply just shoving it into video games. So uh, it's, it's it's been approximately a 
30-year journey to figure out how to address sugar addiction and any and any other anything else that has that same addictive pattern to it. I would definitely say that you're an overachiever. I <laughs> as I was doing uh, research on you, I was just exhausted reading all of the things. You know, I thought I was an overachiever, and I'm like, I'm an amateur. <laughs> Thanks. But I think that there's something to be said about that because I think what is beautiful about this story is that um, I think a lot of people have this type of story that they can relate to and they don't have the wherewithal to go through all the hoops and ladders that you have gone through to get to the answers or get to the solutions. And so you have made this into a 30-year journey to get to the answers and now you're helping other people uh, figure out the life hacks so that they too can get to the solution um, and also expressing the fact that it's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, but I'm, I'm curious about, it, it sounds kind of like the chicken or the egg here. Is it that the adrenal fatigue is what leads to the addiction or, or is it because there's a imbalance in the biochemistry or how does this work? How does this start to transpire? Okay, so the, the way, um, let me, I think the easiest way to illustrate where adrenal fatigue fits in with addiction and it does, it does fit in is an inability to cope with stress. But that's not the cause of addiction. It is, the, it is a major perpetuator of it and a major roadblock to full recovery. So it's it's the 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 chicken and the egg is is very clearly answered. It's it's the emotional component that triggers the um, emotion. It, it is the stressful thought that it, you believe a stressful thought that then triggers the emotional reaction, which then triggers the need to anesthetize with a vice. In this case, sugar. And then the problem with the vice is that there's the sorry someone just came in and grabbed their pen that's never had that happen before in a podcast so it's all live it's all good anyway yeah that, that's um, the version of live right there yeah, yeah. so uh my, my favorite is when um i had a um someone was interviewing me their cat photobombed the um the screen I'm surprised mine aren't in here i've okay. got three and whenever i start talking they're like oh you're doing something i need to be a part of it sure right um <laughs> So the, uh, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. So what happened? So it's a five phase cycle and I'll show, actually show you the, the, the infographic that I put together. It goes, you have a stress, you believe a stressful thought. You then have an emotional reaction to that thought, which then that's uncomfortable. So you need to anesthetize with a vice in this case, sugar, but that particular vice in this case, sugar has genuine consequences on your body, your health, your, your finances or society looks at you or just the seven major ways that a vice has consequences. And then you have terrible thoughts about yourself, about the consequences you just rendered. And then if you believe those terrible thoughts about yourself, then you feel bad and want to numb out, have more consequences and have terrible thoughts about yourself and you believe those and, and round and round and round it goes. That, that's the simplest way to illustrate. And, and what's really key to understand is that the thoughts that initiate the addiction cycle are not the same thoughts that perpetuate it. Most people focus on the end game thoughts. I'm a piece of XYZ. I'm a bad person. I have no willpower. How could I do this to my family, my friends, my career, my this? And, and that's not the originating stressful thought that started the cycle in the first place. So you can actually look at the cycle and see exactly where people get stuck in their road to recovery. And you see people try to start from the reverse and going backwards and they never quite make it up to the top. And where adrenal fatigue fits in is in the emotional component where you have that physical reaction. And that's about your resilience. So people can have negative thoughts flying through their head, but if you have low resilience, like your adrenals are weak, you're going to be way more affected by that stressful belief system than someone else. And that's the connection between adrenal fatigue and addictions. It, it, adrenal fatigue is not causative. It's contributive 
and perpetuative, if that's even a word. Um, so does, is, does, does that make sense? A little bit. I, I, I think I'm understanding it. I think that, um, and, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show is um, my team and I, we actually, there's two of us on the staff that have two people in our lives that have mm-hmm. addiction. Um, one of them is addicted to shopping and one of them is addicted to video games. It's actually um, uh, one of the staff members' uh, son, son-in-law. Um, is addicted to video games and so it's it's a matter of that's what we started questioning is huh it's it's this interesting concept that um it's this coping mechanism and you know how the adrenals play into this and and i think the question comes then well how do we identify this how do we know if that is if there's a stressor that's involved and the adrenals are taxed that that is also contributing to this idea that they want to shop or they want to, you know, eat sugar or play video games or whatever the, the coping mechanism ends up being. Um, let me share the screen and I'll show, let me, let me share my screen and I'll show you what I'm. And for my listeners, I just want to say, I'll, I'll take this infographic. This will be in the show notes on our website so that you can see this, that you can find it at gatesinteriordesign.com. Let me share. All right, so it's going to be a bit of a Okay, so can you see that? I see you. Okay. Uh, can you see Sharon's oh, start? Okay, there we go. There we go. Okay, yeah, I can okay. see it. So what we've got here, this is the um this is the this is the uh, model for understanding addiction. All right, it's called Tame the Beast. Uh, I'll simplify it. So, beast, B E A S T. B stands for. This is where the cycle starts. B is where you believe a stressful thought. Then you have an E, emotional physical stress response. Then you A, anesthetize or numb out using a vice, whether it's sugar, video games, or shopping. Then you S, smolder in the consequences. So smolder is actually a seven-letter acronym for the seven different types of consequences. And I spent a lot of time to try to capture an acronym that had the emotionality of what it's like after a binge of sugar or shopping or video games or whatever. So smolder. Um, Societal consequences, monetary consequences, occupational consequences, legal consequences, then uh, that of course depends on the vice, uh, domestic consequences like family, friends at the house, uh, energy slash health, and then relationships. Those are the seven types of consequences that can be rendered. Then the T is the terrible thoughts after the consequences. Then if you believe those terrible thoughts then you feel bad and want to numb out and all that. <laughs> the, the loop continues. The loop continues. So what happens is that it it all starts with the stressful belief systems. And so I'll give you I'll give you the uh, most common stressful thoughts. And in fact, for teenagers, for example, um, the most common stressful thoughts are uh, nobody loves me. uh, The world is unfair. I'm bored. So, and I'm bored is actually the most sinister, stressful thought on the planet, in my opinion. And by sinister, I mean when people believe that they're bored, they don't believe that they're stressed. They think boredom is a non-stressful state, and that's act- that's completely untrue. Uh, so, when I say it's the most sinister, stressful thought on the planet, it it is so widespread. And we've got these fidget cat video. I mean, speaking of cats, I mean, what do you mean? Half of cat video watching is just sheer out of sheer boredom. So, uh, and with teenagers especially, you know, the world is unfair. Nobody loves me, and I'm bored. Uh, this that's a, what was my kind of running motif as a teenager myself. So I turned to video games and sugar to numb out. For adults, the, there's a couple extra ones tacked on top. So it's like I'm. Uh, uh, it, we've got 
the world is unsafe. There's not enough time. There's too much to do. I have to make a decision. He, she hurt me. He, she betrayed me. You know, those, those are the, the initiating stressful thoughts. Then we have an emotional, physical stress response. So that's anxiety. That's nervousness. That's jealousy. That's fear. That's anger. That's rage. It's depression. That's even physical pain. You know, phys- physical sensations in the body where if you have a strong enough emotion, you, it can actually manifest as a physical uh, expression. So then you reach for anesthesia to numb the emotional, physical stress response that stemmed from the belief system. And so the anesthesia can vary wildly. For one person, it's video games. For another, it's sugar. For another, it's shopping. For another, it's gossiping. For another, it's sex. For another, it's alcohol. For another, it's gambling. For another, it's Game of Thrones. You know, for other, it's chocolate. Drugs. For other, it's drugs. You know, whatever, whatever it is. But, but the vice itself is actually step three. It's not step one. Then we've got the consequences that are vice and society dependent. So the consequences rendered from video games can look very different from someone who's dealing with meth or gambling. But or the sex same, addiction. Yeah. Or sex addiction or anything. You know, it's, it's, but the categories are identical, but the, but the depth and degree and... Um, of consequences within each category varies wildly between each vice and also for the individual person themselves. So you've got one person who's got a gambling addiction um, or a shopping addiction, their level of uh, monetary consequences can vary wildly between someone else who's got a shop. Someone has a shopping addiction for Royals Royces <laughs> is very different than someone who's a shopping addiction to dollar stores. Or a drug addiction to meth versus Coke or something. Or, or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. but, so, uh, and with video games, like there's no legal consequences in Western countries. I mean, there is a legal consequence in South Korea because video games is such a crisis. I mean, to them, and video games in South Korea is actually an elite sport. I mean, it, it's it, and I'm not joking. That that that's 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 a real thing. That that you know every country has its own elite sport or set of sports. In South Korea, it's video games, and like there was actually like near protest level situations when the elite um, video game player in South Korea was drafted for the military. I mean, it's imagine like if Michael Jordan was drafted for the military. And you're a basketball fan. Uh, you, know, you, you can imagine just the sheer, you know, in New Zealand, it's like if, if Captain Ritchie, who's captain of the All Blacks rugby team, if he was drafted for the military, the parliament would have lost all of their seats and been shut down from tars and pick, pitchforks and fire. You know, it would have been madness if, if they had tried to take the captain of the rugby team out. Uh, so it's the same thing in South Korea. So what happened is that it's such a problem that they institute what's, institute what's called the Cinderella Law, where between 12 and 6 a.m. it was illegal for anyone under the age of 16 to play a video game. Hmm. So the stroke of minute. Now, the prob- they've actually rescinded that partially because when they implemented that, the amount of theft of people's individual, like in South Korea, your so- the equivalent of your social security number is your login password to the internet so the government can monitor everything you do on the internet. It's wow. like big, big brother to the extreme. So what happened was that the theft of the that special number skyrocketed because teenagers wanted to play video games, so they stole the numbers to mask themselves and their ages. So then they res- they pulled back a little bit to say well, you can do it if you have your pa- parents' permission. You can play between midnight and six a.m. So that's what I mean by legal consequences can vary. Like we think video games, there's no legal consequences. Actually, there are depending on the country you're in. Uh, food, there's not really legal consequences, but of course, like other vices, there are definitely legal consequences. So we've gone from the stressful thoughts to the emotional response to the different types of vices to quench the emotional experience that stem from the belief. Then we've got the consequences. Then we've got the terrible thoughts about the consequences we just rendered. So like I said before, these stressful thoughts are almost always completely different than the initiating stressful thoughts that started the cycle in the first place. So the end phase stressful thoughts are 
I'm a bad person, I'm a piece of XYZ, what have I done to my family, my friends, my finances, my job, my career, my legal status, um, my, you know, my health. Uh, and then if they believe that, then the cycle just repeats, but it's on a different thought. So that's how the cycle in a, in a broad view actually works. And the way that adrenal fatigue fits in is in that second stage the emotional physical where if you have low resilience because your you have your your stress response system is so fragile any stressful thought is going to trigger the desire to eat sugar or shop or play video games gotcha so i guess the big question then is is based on this how do we break this cycle uh every single phase has a separate uh recipe to reverse course now, and so this is the five R's to exit the cycle. So I like alliterations. I like mnemonics, especially if you're dealing with addiction. You need something that's easy to remember. Yeah. You know, you, so like the beast, the beast of addiction. That, that is a very emotionally relevant image to someone who's dealing with addiction. Like the beast of, on my back, you know, let me tame the beast of addiction. Um, smolder, for example. No, the R's is just the, the R's work. There's set R's, five different R's. So the way to do it is to one, of course, acknowledge that there's a problem, and then if you want help. So there's people who need help, and then there's people who want help. Mm, yeah. So this is what's particularly difficult with video game issues because most of the people who need the help don't want the help. So if you're looking at teenagers or young children. Or even adults. Um, in, in fact, the, I mean, the statistics on video game usage is startling. Uh, there's more people over the age of 50 that play video games than there are males under the age of 18 that play video games. And yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that um, they don't see it as an addiction. No, they don't. And, and, it, and it's because the type, the genre of games they're playing is completely different. They're playing with these little phone phone games with Diner Dash or Candy Crush or whatever, not like the big shoot 'em up violent games that every everyone has catastrophized as the bane of our culture. Um, but but I mean, we've watched my own mother, you know, medical doctor, you know, play hours of Boggle and Scrabble on her iPad and, she, and she's fine with it. She thinks it's fine. Mm. Um, so the way to the and you have to want help not just need it and that that is the first step uh, so if people want help then they have to identify where in the cycle are they willing to start so the the root of addiction the actual way to stop the cycle from ever happening is right at the beat resolving the root of addiction and that is dealing with the root stressful thoughts now i endorse um for ex like, like these are examples of stressful thoughts. Like I'm bored. There's too much to do. There's not enough time. People should listen to me, etc. I totally endorse the work of Byron Katie as the primary method to deal with the roots underlying belief systems. Now there are definitely many other methods for sure. Um, uh, the work of Byron Katie to me is simply the most accessible, the most successful. It's straightforward. It's simple. Um, it's it's secular, and I and I make this point not not to upset people who are religious, not at all. By secular, it means that there's not a religion attached to it. And I bring this up because in the addiction space, there's a particular methodology to deal with addiction that can be pretty heavy-handed and top-heavy on theology as the, quote, only way out. Hmm. And you know what? You can lose a lot of people on that, a lot. So my job as a clinician is to find non-religious methods for anyone of any faith or non-faith to be able to use. And so that, I've, that's why I found the work of Byron Katie so amazing because it's just four questions and a turnaround. You identify the stressful beliefs, you question them one at a time and then turn them around and then the, the beliefs dissolve. So to make it real kind of, um, to make it very real for people to understand what I'm saying is that when I was in, um, 
one of the reasons I was so into sugar and video games uh, as a growing up is that I was bullied a lot. Now, I'll ask you a question. What's the difference between physical bullying and physical assault? Hmm. Nothing. Uh, there's two things. You're under 18 and still in school. Mm. <laughs> That's the difference between bullying and assault. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. I was thinking about the uh, uh, mentally, the mental effects of it. Uh, and I was going to say nothing, but I see what, you're, what the question meant. Yeah. So, so the, structurally in society, bullying is if you're under 18 and still in school. And if you're punched in the face, it's called bullying. But if you're over 18 outside of school and you're punched in the face, that's called assault. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, so I was assaulted a lot in school. And so I had, um, so I'm, I'm give a specific example where I'm being punched in the face behind the lockers by a larger athletic man, uh, male. So now around the same time, I was also attempting to learn tennis. Now the key word being attempt. And so <laughs> a tennis ball, I missed and the tennis ball hit me full force right in the cheek. Now, arguably that tennis ball did way more damage. And I know cause I was there for both of them <laughs> than, than someone trying to hit me. Um, but being hit in the face with a tennis ball did not carry the same conclusions about how the universe worked than by being hit in the face by a larger male. So sure. when I'm being hit, when at the, that event of being hit, it solidified a specific set of beliefs. Uh, I'm fragile. I'm small. I'm defenseless. No one cares. My mother doesn't care. My friends doesn't, don't care. The security guards don't care. The school doesn't care. The principal doesn't care. The world is unsafe. I'm alone. I have to survive on my own. I can't trust anybody. So I have all these different beliefs that are tethered to this event of being hit in the face. So that's, I mean, to summarize a thousand hours of a study of Buddhism into, into a one sentence, into this example, is the event of being hit in the face, whether it's by a tennis ball or a fist, is called pain. Suffering is believing the events attached, believing the thoughts that I've tethered to that pain. So me believing those stressful thoughts, that's called suffering. Mm -hmm. The event is pain. So what the work does is that it identifies the event, the painful event. Then it identifies the belief systems that are tethered to that event. Then it takes each belief system one at a time, and then you question that belief system using four questions and a turnaround, and the belief system dissolves. And then you systematically go back to each belief system that's tethered to that event until it's gone. And until you're like me, where like I can remember that event of being assaulted and I don't have this negative emotional reaction anymore. It's as significant as me stubbing my toe in my memory. So that, and then the cycle doesn't begin because I'm not triggered by these belief systems. And would you say that that is, I mean, it's got to be where it's different for everybody. I, I want to play devil's advocate here. And for those who are listening today who may have a gambling problem or a drug problem or a shopping, whatever the addiction is or, or the stress that it is, uh, I'm sure that there are people listening today that have tried to overcome that addiction um, and failed. And that's probably then become a belief system, which starts a whole nother pattern. But um, could it be this easy? Are there are there steps like this that they can take? And, and you know, they they read this work and it, it happened. Like, did it happen overnight for you once you No, not at all. It's, that's that's why there's five phases, not one phase. So, so I'm just talking about how to resolve the root of it. And not everyone is ready to be there yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people just need to get stabilized and not destroy their lives. And they just need to get stable and then work on their resilience. You know, so where people, have, where people have failed in recovering from addiction is they've applied the wrong methodology to the wrong phase or they've only hung out in the latter stages and not actually backed up the chain to ultimately get back to the root stressful belief systems. So people can deal with stressful belief systems here, like I'm a bad person, I'm a failure, I have low willpower, I will always be an addict, you know, but, but they're not dealing with the root belief systems, they're dealing with the, the end stage ones. So the root belief systems will always keep triggering the cycle over and over and over again. 
So it's or, like skipping to chapter five instead of reading chapter correct. one. Okay. And, and there's, there's and, and there's absolutely a place to question the thoughts or deal with the, the, the destructive, I'm a terrible person, I'm a failure thoughts. But just know it's just, it's just you got to keep backing up. So to deal with like the, the damage that's being caused, like someone's got a gambling addiction, that can be absolutely devastating. So this is where you reverse the damage and you actually integrate methods to how to, st how to make amends to the, different to the different things that have been done. So for example, like this is a worksheet I put together for Smolder, that fourth stage. This is how you deal with the fourth stage. This is you write the negative consequences of how, you've, how, society, how you've, your addiction has affected society, how it's affected money, how it's affected your occupation or if you're in school, your education, your legal status, your domestic situation, your energy health, your relationships. And then you write one small specific change to reverse the damage and make amends. And it's a small change to build momentum and build self-esteem and, and build change because a lot of times when people are trying, in my case, that's like an all or nothing approach. You know, it's got to win big or I'm a failure. And that's not really helpful. So that's how to approach the smolder side of it. And then if you back up to the anesthesia part, you've got to, uh, the, the R is, is restrict, remove, and replace the vice. So when we're dealing with the, when we're dealing with the actual vice itself, whether it's, it's gambling or, or, or shopping or video games or sugar, you have to look at how can I restrict access to the vice or remove it completely or replace it temporarily with something less damaging. So have you seen the movie Flight, the Denzel Washington film where he's mm -hmm. the alcoholic pilot? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that is one of the best visual essays on addiction that exists. Okay. It is, it is phenomenal. No, spoiler alert. He relapses at a very critical time. You know? Yes, he does. <laughs> and, and, and here's here's where he failed to deal with his addiction. All he did was remove the alcohol from the 27 different places he had on the farm. But he didn't back up and deal with his resilience and he didn't deal with his root belief systems. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I have a question. You know, you were able to give a, a hardcore example of this time in your life when um, you were able to uh, figure out the belief system or where it may have been started mm -hmm. from. What if you don't know what uh, that initial cause is? Because a lot of times it does happen when you're a child. And what if you can't get to that root and you're not exactly sure where the belief system started? Oh, that's that's very straightforward answer. This comes directly from Byron Katie. She says, if you don't know what to write to question your thoughts on, write figure out the stressful belief systems you have about your family members so it's 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 so just think of your mom or think of your dad or a sibling or a grandparent or a child or your spouse or or whatever just sit about someone in your family and wait five minutes and stressful thoughts will start appearing <laughs> and, you, and you start with them the reason why is because your family are the filters through which you view the world each member of your family represents a different filter by which you view events. So if you clean up your filters, then your experience of the world clears up. So the other thing to do is that you can pick any stressful situation that's bothering you and question your thoughts on that. It can be someone who, who cuts you off in traffic. And the, the reason why that can also really help is because thoughts are fractal. So he's a jerk, you know, someone cut me off in traffic, he's a jerk. So my mind in that moment, I believe he's a jerk. Everything in my world is a jerk. Everything annoys me in that moment, everything. And I can, if I can think of anyone else in that moment, you can, you can, you can track it if you're, if you're aware enough. At that moment, you find some way the next person you think about is a jerk in some small way or some large way. So if you question your thought, he is a jerk, and you... You, you, you take, you know, you have the spider web of consciousness because thoughts are fractal and you take the metaphor is a bit clunky. If you take the cigarette butt of consciousness and you burn out the spider web, you know, you, you burn it out. Then then all the, the tendrils that connect to 
jerk get burned fractally to people in your past, people you project in the future, that person right then, right, right now. So you don't need one of the one of the problems people have when they first start identifying stressful thoughts is they have this avalanche of oh my god there are hundreds and thousands of stressful thoughts I will never get through this and that is absolutely everyone's experience <laughs> when they, and and it's normal and I'm telling you because the thoughts are fractal you don't have to worry about that because if you deal with one thought you can actually de decouple the stress to hundreds of smaller thoughts underneath it and my my observation i've talked with a lot of different facilitators for the work about this is that there's really only truly about 50 to 100 truly core stressful beliefs people have only about 50 to 100 like really deep seated ones everything else is kind of peripheral and it's okay to keep questioning peripheral ones because you're still going to get benefit from that and eventually you'll find the core ones and the core ones are almost always attached to family members or very significant traumatic events particularly when younger so that that's how i would answer that's how i would approach finding the stressful thoughts so i want to go back to uh the listeners again, and I'm, I'm looking up as we're speaking here, I'm looking at, um, I've looked at, uh, Byron Katie actually has an amazing website. So I agree with Dr. Shea that I think that she's a great place to start. I'm curious. Uh, I just want to interrupt one. Th it's, it's called the work, not the quick and not the easy. <laughs> That's okay. a great, great cleanup on that. Um, okay. and it is, that's actually what it's called. It's called The Work. Um, uh -huh. She does have several different books. Um, the one that you have up on the graphic here, Loving What Is, is that a good place to- That's the manual. That, that's the manual. Now, I, there's many different ways to learn the work. Many, many. And, and there's, there's hundreds of YouTube videos, free podcasts that she does. There's her website. There's free downloadable worksheets. She's got about six or seven books. She's also got this beautiful little $5 app, which is called the Work of Byron Katie app. And it literally walks you through the whole process. There's also uh, a free helpline uh, where it's trained facilitators um, that it's, it's anonymous and where it's just over like Skype audio. There's no need for video, the, nothing. It's just you call, look, I'm, I'm helpline certified. So you, you, I'm, I'll tell you exactly what they'll say when someone calls up. Welcome to the work helpline. Are you new to the work? It's not, hi, what's your name? Where do you live? None of that. It's, it's none of that. It's anonymous. It's, it's, are you new to the work? If it's yes or and then it's like, do you have questions about the work? Do you have thoughts? If there, you have a stressful thought, you'd like to help me help you facilitate. And then they walk through the four questions and turn around. There's also paid resources. We mentioned the books, the app. Um, there's seminars. There's seminars run by Katie are really big events. There's uh, seminars run by facilitators, there's telecourses, and there's even an online course that I actually put together called the Work Online Course. And the workonlinecourse.com, and I put an entire deep dive seminar five module format online for people to self-learn this in a very specific, specific structured way to learn the work um, the way that I wish I was taught the work. So whatever someone's um, level of access they want, you can learn the work any number of ways. Uh, audio, visual, written, huge amounts of free resources. Uh, there's, there's free facilitation through the helpline, through volunteers. There's paid facilitation through facilitators if you want a more dedicated facilitator. There's courses, etc. So however people want to do it. There's other methods out there like that help people deal with belief systems. If people want a psychologist, there are psychologists that do the work, but there are, but the closest psychology methodology that I know of that is similar to the work is CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, it is not the work. And I, and I know that because at the uh, annual convention, we had uh, a, a woman from Europe who is like the lead author in CBT in that country 
and also a Byron Katie facilitator. And she compared and contrasted the two. They're similar, but they're absolutely not the same. Um, so, but if people want a psychologist, that's what I would go recommend to find. And there's other things like tapping and EFT and, and other methodologies out there. So, uh, it's, it is called the work. I mean, that, that's really what we should finish on with the work. It's called the work, not the easy and not the quick. It does take time and dedication and consistency and self-honesty to identify and question the most painful, stressful belief systems from our lives. And I'll just say you can go to thework.com to find more about that. Would mm -hmm. you say um, what I'm trying to do is, you know, I am kind of like you where I try to learn everything that there possibly is. And, and I, I tend to, you know, go big or go home. And um, I, I want to be mindful of the listener who is listening today and maybe has tried uh, many things and has failed and, and this is a lot of information and, and they're, they're thinking this sounds great, but where do I start? Um, if you were to leave them with one thing to start with to really start overcoming um, the stress and the addiction, would you have them start with, with Byron or? or um, actually, I would, um, it really depends, and, I'm, and I'm, it's not going to be the answer you want to hear, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be, it really depends because there's some people who are so, who are so in such a destructive phase that they need, um, they need to reach out for help and stop the damage. You know, other people are not there and they just need to get stable by restricting or removing the vice or replacing with something less damaging. Um, you know, like this is like identifying, you know, the, the time people and the time of day, the people, the place and the environment that you're in where you get triggered to eat sugar or shop or play video games or you know, is it, it uh, you know, is it your room? Is it the bar? Is it this store? Is it this particular person that's your sugar eating friend or this person you play games with or you go shopping with? Is it the time of day when you're feeling the weakest and you just that's where your weak point is it when you get home? You know, other, so people are at different places. And that's why I have this model. People identify where are they at? Start there, you know, and in the resilience category, Will you know, they be able to identify this themselves, though, or do they need to work with a practitioner like you to help them better under, understand where they're at? There's ideal and then there's ordeal. So the ideal is you work with someone. The ordeal is that if, if you're not in a position or a mindset to do so, then just keep learning about this model. Like, you know, re-listen to the podcast, watch my YouTube. I have a whole YouTube channel devoted to sh uh, sugar addiction and a whole YouTube, uh, sorry, YouTube playlist devoted to sugar addiction, a whole YouTube playlist devoted to video game addiction. But you know what? The same five-phase model is identical, whether it's sugar or video games or whatever. The, the vice is only specific in the third stage. It's so they the only... could at least go there to start with some resources Absolutely. to wrap their head around. And I mean, really, they need to even come to the idea that it's an addiction. You know, they might not even well, be at that phase. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that they do have a problem. And the second step, they want help. Yeah. They want the help. And that, that's, that's a real problem with a lot of people. Now, to, to force people to see that they have a problem and that they need help, that's called an interventionist. Okay, that is not me. I, I do not work with people unless they want the help, not that they just need it. So I'm very clear on my boundary on that. There are trained interventionists, and uh, I'm not one of them. Uh, but but people may need to go there to even break them out of their spell. In regards to the resilience phase, you know where to start. Some this is the ten. Now this is the sub framework to explain people's resilience. So how do you increase your resilience? It's the ten things I mentioned before: their brain balance and hormone system, their gut and digestion, their physical body, their exercise levels, their toxic exposure, their nutrition, their breakfast and routines, other stressors in their life, everything from you know work stress to clutter to uh, 
electromagnetic fields stress to relationship stress like stress is a big bucket you know not just the stressful thoughts at the top of the addiction cycle infections can you know there's been a there's a near 100 percent correlation of toxoplasmosis infection and schizophrenia like infections matter when it comes to your physiology and your resistance resilience rather and sleep so if people were to ask me and they've asked me like our, our colleague dr tata who's a part of the same health group we're a part of um you know he asked me or may, maybe it was uh was it i think it was i think it was dr tata um, he said, where do you start on this if people are dealing with addiction? And I said, okay, it's going to start with get your breakfast sorted out so your blood sugar level is, has good, you have good blood sugar control. That was my first ebook was on breakfast and adrenal fatigue. Mm. You know, get your breakfast sorted out so your blood sugar is level so your emotions don't go up and down, up and down. Get your sleep sorted out to increase your resilience and improve your digestion and start moving your body. Those would be the first four places that I would start if you were to pin me down on where do I begin on my journey to increase my resilience. And some people are at this second phase and they just, I, I can like kind of control the vice and, and I'm, I'm not causing a lot of damage and I know I want and need help. And I just, I just want to have a stressful thought. It's just, I feel so low. How do I increase my resilience? Look at sleep. Look at breakfast. Look at your digestion. Look at your movement patterns. Start there. If unless you're working with a practitioner, where they systematically go through each of these pillars of health, which is what I this came from clinical work with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, sugar addicts. Like this is my model for how I deal with any chronic issue. I have an online survey of over 150 questions that are, you know, very overtly categorized by these 10 pillars, like pillar number one, here's your list of 15 questions, pillar number two, here's, so you can identify what pillar actually needs the most attention and the highest priority. But as a general rule, people should focus on breakfast, sleep, movement, and digestion. And I think that's a great place to start. I feel like that's very tangible. That's something that, you know, it, it isn't overwhelming. Um, and it, it it's not so overwhelming that you feel like, oh, my God, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I think that's a great starting point. And this, the 10 Pillars of Health is on Dr. Sh uh, Sam Shea's uh, website. He's got a lot of this information that we've talked about today on his website. Um and my YouTube channel has about 50 videos on it. I have an entire adrenal fatigue playlist, <clears throat> sugar addiction playlist, a video game addiction playlist, um, and a bunch of other topics as well. So look, there's, there's a lot of material that's available for people to start to self-educate. And, and the, the, the problem that, that, that I've run into that was my journey, you know, how did I overcome sugar and video game addiction is that I went through so many different protocols and products and different health personalities. And, and, and what I found was that most products, personalities and protocols were really good at identifying and treating one to three of these pillars at a time. But if you've got so what I found with chronically ill patients and addicts, they had a minimum seven out of 10 pillars crumbling. Minimum seven. So if you've got more than three, you're going to feel like you're not going anywhere because you've, quote, tried everything. And, and that's, that's what I see in, in my practice is people have, quote, tried everything. It's not that they haven't tried everything. It's that they've never had someone systematically identify and organize all 10 major facets of their health and then give them the specific, you know, MacGyver-like suggestions that are easy to implement based on their current lifestyle to get the biggest shifts all and to pick the highest yield ones amongst the most priority pillars and to synergize them together to get an exponential beneficial effect. So it's like it, 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 people have all these magic bullets that they've tried, but they've not actually had a system to think about each magic bullet as merely a separate tactic 
for one, maybe two or three of these pillars. And that's why it explains that magic bullet theory, that magic bullet issue, and this combined with this 10 pillar model explains why one magic bullet worked for someone and it didn't work for someone else because of this other person that wasn't the right, the, the pillar that was crumbling didn't need that bullet or they had six plus other things that were wearing them down. Whereas this other person, that magic bullet was the last thing that they needed. So this model, my, my goal is that this model will be the dominant model in wellness to help people have a systematic approach to all the different facets of health, just like I'd want this beast model to be the dominant model around the world to understand addiction because it is so straightforward for people to understand and you know the mnemonic you know even the color coding it, it's just a very straightforward model and i've tested this model with other people who've been through na or aa and they say like this this is completely their experience this this simple five phase approach and what we have here is a model that's updated for the 21st century that includes the best pieces of functional medicine and lifestyle intervention, including functional testing. Like if someone has adrenal fatigue, you can test it based on pillar number one, brain and hormones. If someone's got parasites or indigestion, you can test it amongst the bowel and bug pillars. If they've got toxicity issues, you can do functional testing here. If you've got food intolerances, you can test it here. Nutritional labs and neurotransmitter labs fit in this slice here under bionutrients. You know, there's, there's ways you can, we can now update our entire approach to addiction using a secular five-phase model, updated tools, and functional medicine to truly treat addiction on all levels, not get stuck in a model back in the early, you know, 20th century that didn't have all these tools available. Gotcha. Well, Dr. Sam, I knew that this was going to fly by. We are up on an hour here. If people want to learn that has been listening about the 10 pillars and the beast model, want to find your YouTube channel, where can they find your website, your YouTube channel, and all the other uh, social media platforms that you're on? Uh, my the best pl- my website is uh, drsamshay.com d-r-s-a-m-s-h-a-y.com and my YouTube channel I don't have an elegant YouTube name to it just put my name Dr. Sam Shay Sugar Addiction Dr. Sam Shay or Dr. Sam Shay Figure Games it'll pop up and, and you'll see it that's those are the best places to find uh, my material I have a free ebook on adrenal fatigue and breakfast on my drsamshay.com website. I also have my free ebook on video game addiction called Seven Ways to Game Less. I also have links to all three of my online programs, whether it's the work of uh, the work online course, my adrenal fatigue course, which covers all 10 pillars in detail. Uh, it's, it's, it's six modules. I cover all 10 of these pillars in those six modules. And I have a specific uh, Tame the Beast of Addiction online course where I go through each of these five phases in detail. So whatever level of support people want, whether it's reading blog posts or watching YouTube videos explaining this, or if they want um, online courses, or if they want to reach me directly, uh, they can go to my YouTube channel and go to my website. Well, fantastic. Thank you for saying yes for this and and coming on and sharing with the audience today about how they can really achieve wellness and and get outside of uh, fatigue and stress and addiction. Well, thank you for having me. I I love doing these and and I really, really appreciate uh, you giving me this opportunity to help your audience uh, understand and move forward on dealing with whatever addiction that they're dealing with. Really powerful stuff, right? I realized that after reading Rebecca Campbell's Rise, Sister, Rise, that we've really been living in this idea, this system of pushing through rather than pleasuring through. And I realized that the reason that we're doing this is because of stress. We're stressed out. We are such a stressed society. 
And I really believe that Dr. Shea's system, this beast system, helps you get to the root cause of understanding. And listen, if you're confused or unsure of where to start, go over to his website, drsamshea.com. He has so many fantastic free resources to get you started. And like he said, you can also go over to his YouTube channel. But whether you are dealing with this addiction yourself, or maybe you have a family member who's dealing with an addiction, these are resources to help you get to the actual problem so that you can fix it. I feel like a lot of things that are out there, especially when it comes to our Western medicine, we look at the symptoms and we put a Band-Aid over it, but we don't look to the root. So whatever that addiction may be for you, let's get back to the belief system. Let's figure out what that looks like for you so that we can get to work and start focusing on the things that really matter. All right, everyone, if you like this show, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find more information and show notes on gatesinteriordesign.com. And you can also find more information on our YouTube channel, which you can find at Gates Interior Design. I think you just type that into the subject bar, I think. Eh, You'll figure it out. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.